creeping with crawlers, with battles of brawlers, who will survive in Kong Skull Island. Like, yes, or I guess yes. you could say Tom Hiddleston's character is a brawler. Yeah, we got some, we have some brawlers. I, it just Kong is the brawler when I think of Kaiju. He's he's a brawler. He is uh, a brawler. <laughs> but welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. This is the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves. This week, as we try to stay alive, we're discussing Kong School Island. I'm Eric, and I'm Alex. And Alex, we finally made it to Kong School Island. It's been a while. Like I've wanted to watch this since we started the podcast, honestly. You've been telling me about it since then. Yeah, and I was telling you, hold off. Hold off. I had, I had to beat you yeah. back with a broom a couple times. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, the cream got cream. The, f- the finale of the Kong. Yeah. Technically, I... Um, yeah, technically, after seeing... This is... I'm watching MonsterVerse in reverse. Because I... <laughs> If we were being if we were being technical, I might have watched it before King of the Monsters, but it's all good. I I think it's it's great. It's good that we we held off on it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It definitely is. It, it, just so you could experience this for the first time and then like react on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, but hey, Alex, I know uh, that some of our listeners actually watch the Mighty Kong. Um, and my brother, he, he said he watched it. He said we were too harsh on it. Oh, your poor brother. What, who hurt him? Well, he's, <laughs> I don't know. He just says we were too harsh. He says it, it wasn't any worse than some of the movies we've seen. Oh, I was like, I don't know. I'm so disappointed in Brett. Like, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed too. Uh, it's like, what else have we seen that, that is that bad? Who is telling him first? You or me? That he's never coming on here again. <laughs> I'll break it to him. I'll break it to him. <laughs> but hey, I do uh, know we had some listeners that yeah. listened yeah. And, and that watched, despite our warnings, I should say. Um, they they watched The Mighty Kong. Uh, and we want to thank them by giving them a shout out. Now, I'm sure more people did watch it than, than this number, but these are the ones that told us they watched it. You want to tell us who watched The Mighty Kong with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a few shout outs. That's all we do with a very special shout out. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna cue the music up. We're gonna cue the music up. All right. All right, are you ready? <laughs> oh my god. In the arms of the angel Nathan Marchand. Fly away from here. Jonathan Hicks. In the arms of the angel. Corey from Twitter. I don't know the words. Terry Vickery. From <laughs> the spectacular cool dude. On here. Brett Neely. In the arms and of the even angels. Andrew Roebuck, who tried to tell everyone not to watch this film. Fly away from here. Uh, I hope everybody liked that. Uh, very spectacular. Oh man, uh, they deserve that shout out. They deserve that shout out. And thank you to CC for for making that happen. Uh, yeah. her background singing, 
was a delight. <laughs> and we need background singing on every episode from here on out, CC. So oh, yeah. I yeah, hope you're I'll, ready for that. I'll make that happen. There we go. Yeah, but one one of the my other option, I had two options. I gave CC uh, asked on which one's better. Arm me. I, my idea was for me to sing Arms of the Angels. Uh, and then I was just gonna have you read the names off. And then she said she would do it. But my other option was I was gonna get play bagpipe music and I was gonna have do a twenty one gun salute for each person that we did. <laughs> Uh, she did a great job singing and it sounded like the actual song so that was impressive <laughs> and i'm glad we didn't get you singing so i'm glad you guys switched to cc that was that was a good choice oh <laughs> hey who knows maybe i'm a really great singer I, I might surprise people i'm still here i'm just i'm just yeah don't know what to say yeah I, yeah hey your, your mama's like mine uh, taught me uh if you can't say anything nice don't say anything at all <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. let's go ahead and jump into this film and I bet we'll have something nice to say about it based off what I know about your reaction to this movie, Alex. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As the second movie of the MonsterVerse after 2014's Godzilla, Kong Skull Island introduces a new version of Kong and a new Kong origin story. Our damsels, New York, and movie shoots are long gone in this one. What I want to ask yeah. you, though, Alex, to get things started off on a spicy note, is this the best film of the MonsterVerse? MonsterVerse? I think there's a really easy argument to be made for this being at the top. I mean, I, I love King of the Monsters a lot. It's in my top 10 G films. Maybe even it was in my top five. But this film is so fun, man. Like, it, it might even be at the top of just King Kong. We, we finally get, what I like about it is that we just finally get a different Kong. This is not Kong the victim. This is Kong the god of an island. Mm. And he's always been a, the god of an island, but not like this. He feels like a protector rather than something to sacrifice women to. <laughs> and I love that. I love that he is more humanoid than he is gorilla in a lot of ways. Honestly, there are just so many small decisions in this film that just make a huge impact for me. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. Um, to answer my own question, is this the best film of the MonsterVerse? I think absolutely. Uh, it does have some flaws, that's certain, but I might be coming around to Team Kong after watching this film. <laughs> so let me tell you why, though. Let me tell you why this is the best in this cinematic universe. First, this is a self-contained story that knows what it wants to do. It wants to tell an island survival horror story. I mean, Jordan Vote Roberts, is that how you pronounce his name? I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Eric, just yes. so you know, he's directing the Metal Gear movie. Yeah, and that, I think that's going to be great. I do. Yes. I actually think he's he's going to be great for it um, because of a couple things. One, like he clearly brings his influences into this film uh, and into this self-contained story. I mean, he seems obviously influenced by both Heart of Darkness and uh, Apocalypse Now, which was inspired by Heart of da Darkness, in the plot, the themes, the style, and the characters mm. of this movie. I mean, we even have a Marlowe who's the narrator of Heart of Darkness, and we have a Conrad, the <laughs> author of Heart of Darkness, right? Yeah. Second, 
this film has the strongest visuals, and that's where I think Metal Gear Solid will be awesome, right? This has yeah. the strongest visuals of any of the MonsterVerse movies. And I do think King of the Monsters has some great standout visual moments, but this film uses the visuals to enhance the story being told. From those expansive shots of the island to the confining tight shots in the jungle scenes, it's a beautifully shot narrative. Um, and then third, this has the most purposeful action. All the action here is tied to the characters in some way. Mm-hmm. There's are always stakes involved, and that matters in an action movie. And part of that is this self-contained story. Um, those go hand in hand. Can you get behind these reasons, Alex? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely can. I mean, you could argue that the first Godzilla, uh, Godzilla 2014, is standalone, I think. But uh, this is... It's just such an excellent di- idea to put this in the 70s. And yeah. to really, it is. I mean, it, it's completely standalone. You don't need yeah. anything else. But you're right, though. Those influences are really here. And it just really oozes that Vietnam feel and style, uh, like you said, that we just see over and over again in a lot of films. And the best one, this mimics the best ones in terms of that feel. You know, I, and I, one of the things that kind of throws me off is online i saw a lot of people talking about characters and how shallow they are but they absolutely love the film and while i won't completely argue against the idea of them being shallow yeah i will say something i am endlessly impressed when a film is able to do this one thing with its characters and that is within just a few dialogue moments make me care if they die or not throughout the rest of the film. Yeah. I, I didn't want anyone on uh, Samuel L. Jackson's team <laughs> to meet a brutal end because of their banter back and forth between them. It makes them really lovable and relatable. Like they're mm-hmm. almost like this group of misfits. Yeah. It's just enough for me to genuinely care about what happens to them. Even if they don't really grow much. I would argue, though, that out of the military characters, Jackson is clearly the most interesting. Mostly because you can tell this is someone who never wants to leave the battlefield. Ever. He lives for it, he breathes for it, and he definitely has a history of getting his men killed in combat. (laughs) And using their deaths probably to commit more atrocities. Yeah, so so here's the interesting thing as I'm thinking about it now. I'm going to piggyback off a little bit of what you're saying here, Alex, but just thinking about Samuel L. Jackson's character. Um, what's, what's his name here? Uh, he is uh, Colonel Preston Packard. That's Lieutenant right. Lieutenant Colonel Preston Packard. Yeah. yeah. So thinking about Packard's character uh, and thinking about those influences that I already mentioned, we've got the, the character who is in the heart of the quote unquote darkness of Skull <laughs> Island is the, is Marlowe which Marlo was the character who went into the heart of darkness in that story, right? right? And here we have the character that's going into the heart of darkness being the one that's already been corrupted. And that's Packard who meets someone who's rather lighthearted. And it's like, it's an interesting twist and kind of like a reversal of that influence, that heart of darkness influence, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, a, a couple things. I do think the dialogue falls flat a couple of times, and primarily in the comedic scenes. I, I do have questions about Marlowe's character, um, but 
because he seems to be the, wants to be like the, the the comic relief, and yeah, I like some of it, but some of it feels a bit jarring because I do think this film is pretty dark at times, and some of the humor just feels a little bit out of place. But if if Vote Roberts did mean to like kind of inverse that portrayal of of these characters, I think it's a clever way to give him a lighter role. Um, but yeah, overall. The humor wasn't bad, uh, but it's just a bit jarring for the dark tone. And and I'm right with you, Alex. I've heard several people complain about the number of characters. We do get that one shot uh, right before they go into what I would call the skull crawler graveyard scene, right? Uh, Where yeah, the um, which is a great scene, and I love that shot there. We've got about 13 different characters <laughs> in that shot, and here's <laughs> the 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 awesome part. And to the film's credit. We know a little bit about each one. Yes, there are a ton of characters, but we actually do care about each of these characters just with that bit of banter that you already mentioned. Now, there's not a lot of development. That's that's true. But you don't need a lot of development for what this film is, which, again, it's a horror island survival movie. <laughs> now, where I think the problem might be with the characters, actually, is in the development of the leads. First, in deciding who's going to be the lead of this movie or the leads of this movie, uh, and then how are we going to develop those leads. I think Conrad and Weaver clearly turn into the leads by the end of the film, but it takes a while for us to establish that. And by the time we establish they're the leads, they don't have much more development than any other of these side characters. And that's a slight problem. A slight problem. Um, overall... Again, I don't have that many issues here with that. That's just one small issue uh, and maybe one other one that I'll bring up during the rating. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I can I can understand a lot of that. Uh, but real quick, I do want to go back to what you said about Marlowe because for his comic relief, I, I can see it being a bit jarring, but it really works for me. And I died laughing at the ants scine where... <laughs> Where he uh, he says he says they hear this bird sound and he goes he's talking to him about ants he goes about how big the ants are he goes there's one sounds like a bird but it's an effing ant <laughs> you just keep hearing this bird call it's just so funny to me like I think John C Riley's portrayal of Marlowe is so well done that I love every minute of it. And yeah, some of the jokes don't land uh, every time, but I'm, I do enjoy his character and I especially like the little details in the film about his character that are not really spoken of. Like it's clear that uh, Gunpei Ikari, the, the, this is world war two, so the, the Japanese pilot yeah. that went down, with him, I love that opening scene. By the way, where they're fighting yeah. and they're—it's awesome. Sure. But uh, I love that it's clear that he taught Marlowe how to appropriately wield a sword mm. because when he takes it out, it—he it, first off visually, Marlowe looks like he couldn't handle a sword, right? Yeah. But then as soon as he pulls it out, we see him in a stance that is totally appropriate. And shows that he knows exactly what he's going to be doing with this thing. Yeah. And that just goes to show the relationship that him and Gunpei did have. And I really mm-hmm. like that. And we get that beautiful final moment of the film where he gets to see his family all these years later, which I really like. Yeah. 
Um, and I did, speaking of sword moments, that moment where he tosses the sword to Conrad, oh, who yeah. then chops through the, were they birds, bats? <laughs> yeah, they're like things. bats. Yeah. That is awesome. That is an awesome scene <laughs> with the gas mask. Really, really cool. Yes. And he slices um, through that one and the shot just like has it go oh, in yeah. half and reveal his face. Yeah. So good. Yeah, that was great. Now, we do need to talk, speaking of that, Alex, we need to talk about two more things. We probably need to talk about the music and the uh, action. Now, I thought, uh, like, I've talked a little bit more than you this time, so why don't you tell us about what you liked about the action and the music? You just want me to ramble on for a minute. Um, yeah, dude, it's, it's all so good. <laughs> like, obviously, the licensed music is fun, but more, impro- and more importantly, it's appropriate for mm-hmm. where it's inserted into the film. It all makes sense. I've seen, f- funny enough, uh, uh, Brie Larson's other movie, Captain Marvel, really badly implements its 90s music influences throughout the film. This one does its 70s music influences really well. I, I just love when it's not a cop. There's another movie, Atomic Blonde. It mm-hmm. really uses its music poorly. It's licensed music. Like if They just throw it in because, hey, this is the 80s. Let's throw a bunch of stuff in here. Right. But they use it right in here. But more importantly... It's the score that really stands out. Hmm. There are tracks on here that I am not sure I would have even heard if I wasn't watching this movie with headphones on. Because a lot of them start out, or at least consciously, but a lot of them start out with this low, slow, thundering drum. And it's just really really low, but it builds until Kong just goes all out in a moment. And it it just bleeds into these pounding tracks that really give this film... This like energy and this boost of adrenaline that just goes on throughout the entire thing. And not only that, but we mentioned physicality before about Kong, especially in the original and the previous film, mm-hmm. uh, 2005. This one is no exception. This is the smartest, nicest, and meanest Kong yet. <laughs> right? Yeah, somehow it's both of those things. All three of those things at the same time, for sure. Yeah, yeah. we see him make everything into a weapon (laughs) trees helicopters a propeller from a boat (laughs) it's all just so awesome he feels like a badass and like you said this film makes a strong case for hashtag team kong that's not even talking about all the other monsters on skull island the skull crawlers are awesome which if you don't if you remember marlo named (laughs) named him that um, and also that design is just phenomenal. And I just love that callback to the original film that there's that little lizard we see. And this is like an extrapolation of what that thing could become. Mm. I love that. Oh yeah. 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 Now, I, I did not think about that until right now, but yes. and to be honest with you, I've, whenever I've seen the skull crawlers, like in the, for example, in the, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, or Kong, yeah, Godzilla versus Kong, like action figures. I've kind of thought they're mediocre, uh, like the design, until yeah. I saw this film and actually saw them in action. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and then right. I was like, okay, yeah, I see why people like these things. These things are pretty terrifying. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah I'm all for them. They were, and just vicious, man. They're they're really vicious. A really strong enemy. They replace, of course, dinosaurs. Uh, but I think that's okay. Yeah. I do. I think that's okay. Uh, because I think you said it once in a tweet, like 
once you start seeing dinosaurs, some of the awe for Kong loses its appeal, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So it's like, why why would you pick Kong when you got dinosaurs yeah. right next to it? But this, I'm like, oh, you might want to take the skull crawl. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, for sure. But, th- but there's also those other phenomenal designs like the spiders. I love when they're in all that bamboo and it turns out that some of them are spider legs. Yeah, that's that's pretty horrifying. <laughs> Isn't it? And then it just goes to that guy's face. Oh my God. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, but they're like got, granddad daddy long legs. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's actually called a uh grand it might be called a grandmother long legs, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to it's, it's something like that. And well, uh, that's the, an interesting thing about the monsters too, though, is like just like a granddaddy long legs that, that really doesn't intend to hurt you. Most of these monsters don't intend to hurt the humans, right? No, uh, only the skull, for the skull crawlers, which are I mean, actually, actually some of the, birds. The, the spider tries to feed on all of them. If you remember, he try he actually uh, shoots that that's stuff right. down from his stomach and that's tries right. to eat them, which is just. So oh. let me amend my statement. There are a few beasts <laughs> <laughs> that don't try to hurt the humans. But we get that awesome water buffalo as yeah, well. Yeah, you've got the water buffalo. You've got that weird tree-like creature. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that seems but pretty the, innocent. The it, the very large walking stick. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. And then you get the, the squid yeah. or the octopus, which is awesome. Yeah, which was pretty antagonistic towards Kong. But it didn't attack the human, weird, no. weirdly enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, it didn't bother with him. Oh. Uh, but, but hey, Alex, let's uh, continue on here in just a second after MVM Plus announcement. Um, today in MVM Plus over at patreon.com slash Pod, we're going to talk about um, – I want to talk about Martin Scorsese again, <laughs> which we've talked about mm. before. But I, I think he has some interesting comments that I think ring pretty true, but I know – some people take him as, as controversial. Um, I, I, I also, yeah, I think this time around, I think people are getting ridiculous with yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, I want to talk about Marvel Phase 1. As I, sa- as I said, Neely and I have been re-watching these films. And so I'm going to tell you our ranking of the Phase Ooh. 1 films so far. Uh, and then this didn't make it into this episode, but I do want to touch on this film's handling of the natives compared to Peter Jackson's you know, King Kong. Yes, um, and I was because, actively thinking about it this time because yeah, yeah. of what we talked I think about last time. It's an interesting, it's an interesting comparison. Um, yeah, and we'll talk about it over there on AVM Plus for sure. But All right. with that said, let's jump into our awards. Um, who did you have for your coolest character award, Alex? Ooh, you know, I think this movie actually gives us several coolest character options. But I gotta go with everybody's favorite, John C. Riley, as the lightly unhinged uh, <laughs> Lieutenant Hank Marlowe. He he's just such a standout. I think I actually think most of his comedy lands for me. I like that he is willing to <laughs> he's willing to go along the ride to save somebody, even if he doesn't want to. I love that him and an enemy are able to put aside everything to live on Skull Island together. His finale is awesome. He just, he, he, I think he commands any scene that he's in. And I really, I just like his character. He's, he's pretty fearless, even though he is absolutely terrified the whole time. (laughs) Yeah. No, see, it's interesting to me because I don't know 
if I'm sold on his character, which is weird. I know everyone loves him. I'm I'm just not fully sold on him either as comic relief or as mm-hmm. like maybe an emotional. Ba- I thought he was gonna die. To be honest, um, I, I really did. But I'm glad he made it out. Well, and, um, and he's got that awesome jacket that says "For Your Health" on the back, which is a <laughs> hilarious Steve Brule reference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like. There's a lot to like about him. Um, but to me, I think the standout character in this mix is Brie Larson's Mason Weaver. Um, really? Yeah, I think I just think she's principled. She's strong. She's quick thinking. No character here has a ton of development, which is okay. Uh, but I do like her ever so slight coming around to Kong. Um, not that she like was hating Kong at all no. at first. Um, but she becomes the defender of Kong by the end of the film. And, and I think in comparison to some of the other female leads that we've seen um, in our King Kong films, this one, we, we really get that strong female lead uh, who can command a scene and isn't afraid to stand up to military types, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I, think, I, I did like her character. Yeah, I think her and Anne from 05 are definitely our two top female characters of the entire series. Yeah, yeah, no, I love Anne from 05 as well, absolutely. Um, what about your most memorable line award? So mine comes from Samuel L. Jackson, Packard. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> when they take off in the helicopters... And he says, hold on to your butts, right? Mm. Um, because it's the same line he said in Jurassic Park. Yes. Yep. <laughs> right before everything went wrong. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I like that. That, that. that part is silly, fun to me, but I'm okay with it because, you know, this film, even though it is dark, yeah, it's, that's, that's a type of wink <laughs> at the audience that I'm okay with because it just plays on Samuel L. Jackson as a character. Right. Um, and, I think and, it it, and if you don't get it, then you don't miss out on anything. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Most, most people probably don't recognize that <laughs> immediately. Uh, but for <laughs> those that do, it's a nice little throwback for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, my, my best, yeah, my best line was from Earl Cole, who actually has some really great lines. I actually yes. like his character in this, yes. this entire thing. Uh, he says, sometimes the enemy doesn't show up until you're looking for one, mm. which I find to probably be true <laughs> even online <laughs> nowadays. We actively go searching for enemies, and it's clear that in his experience, war was no different. Mm. Um, well, yeah, I think he's a great character too. Actually, like you want to talk about someone that in a few moments really starts to develop some character and some personality. Mm-hmm. It's him. Yeah, you know, he also has that moment where he's eating right after the first. Attack. Yes, he's like he yes. got to survive. Right? Well, and, and he also explains some of the. I'm not going to call them dumb, but maybe poor tactical decisions that they make while being assaulted by Kong, like when they're trying to stop and pick up people. Yeah. And he he says something to the effect of uh, that he's not upset, and they're like they're wondering how can he be eating in this moment. He's like, we lost a battle. There was no tactical precedent for. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. no tactical precedent for. He's like, we did the best we could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, honestly, he's kind of like the in a sense, he's like the philosophical backbone of this film, and, yes. and, he, and he ends up meeting the 
worst fate, I think. Like, yeah. The most unfortunate fate because he tries to make the ultimate sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And it's for nothing. Yeah, and the skull crawler calls his bluff. Oh, man. Yeah, that was really, yeah. really unfortunate. You don't expect it. <laughs> no, you that do was not really expect unfortunate. it. Uh, it was a big explosion. <laughs> <laughs> that it was. Just uh, in the wrong direction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Poor guy. What about your Can't Believe the Acting Award? I, I got to give this one to John Goodwin as William Bill Randa. Did um, you just call him John Goodwin? No, good. Uh, oh, I hope I didn't. John Goodman. <laughs> I don't know if I did or not. Um, but. It's really his performance in the opening moments, but mm-hmm. mostly it's his, his performance when he has the gun pointed at, at him by Samuel Jackson, and he has to explain himself. Mm-hmm. And he does it in a way where I completely buy his need to be there on that island. Like I completely buy into his mission because the way he sells his experience of what happened to him on the ship Really, I, it, it makes me like, oh, I think that's a good enough reason. And sure enough, uh, <laughs> uh, Packard agrees and buys into it. Yeah, no, I think I think he's a good character. He's I one I can understand. I can him. understand a complaint that you might want more development for him yes. as a character because we're not quite sure of his motivations throughout. Um, at least well, we know that he's terrified of these big monsters because he says something attacked him out in the water. Yeah. And so he wants to, it seems to me that they just want to understand what the issue is, like how big, what's the scope of this p- p- possible nightmare? Mm-hmm. It's pretty yeah. big. It's pretty big. <laughs> it turns out. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did. I did like him. Now, my, my can't believe the acting award probably goes to Tom Hiddleston. Honestly, um, I, as I said, we've been watching the Marvel movies recently, so I've been seeing him as Loki a lot. <laughs> but mm. this is a completely different performance, and really, to me, establishes him as an action movie star. I want um, him. To, I, I thought when I was watching this, I was like, he needs to be the next Bond. I thought I was like, yeah, like let's make him. You're talking about Metal Gear Solid, let's. Uh, how about Solid Snake? <laughs> uh, well, they cast Solid Snake already. Did they? But he, yeah, yeah, they cast. Uh, Oh, oh! What's his name? Everybody likes him, Oscar Isaac. Oh, interesting. Nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he. I think Oscar Isaac would do a great job, but I think Tom Hilston would have been a fine choice as well. I think he would make a good Bond. Like he's he is slick, um, but he's also <laughs> commanding. You know, like yeah. I don't think his I don't think his um, dialogue is again especially well written, but that's a testament to him as an actor that I didn't like, it didn't strike me as terrible throughout, you know? Um, right. He made use of, of, of the lines that he was given in a way that I thought was really impressive. He did command the scene and from the moment he shows up, he's a presence. So I, I've got to go with Tom Hiddleston just for his overall performance here. Mm. Yeah. He does good. Uh, I mean, there's not a bad actor here. No, there's, there's like so many familiar faces is the thing. Um, it's, it's a pretty strong ensemble. It really is. Yeah. Um, what about your standout effect award? Honestly, um, I think my favorite action moment is my standout effect. So it has to be the giant squid Kong battle, which is a throwback. 
I think, to, to King Kong versus Godzilla, um, mm. which we know, or at least I, I believe, this is this Kong is kind of a inspired at least by that King Kong. You know, it's walking on two legs. It's mm. pretty fearsome. I, I like this Kong. I I do think there's that Toho influence there. Oh. Now, that battle mm-hmm. between him and the giant squid is a quick battle, especially compared to Kong's skull crawler battle uh, at the end. <laughs> yes. But it's just so fun. Uh, that battle is. It's, it's that That's the first battle where you're like, oh my goodness, this thing is fierce. And of course, you've got him slurping its legs like <laughs> spaghetti uh, at the end, which is fantastic. So I, I yeah. love that scene. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about uh, you? I actually picked one of the few nighttime moments in right. the film, which it, again, applause to this film for doing almost everything during the daytime. Yeah. Just that, that's a testament to how confident they were that their work was going to look great. And it did. Mm-hmm. But this nighttime scene with Kong in the napalm yeah. was just so good. And him thrashing around while the fire goes up around him, it just looks so good. And this is the perfect use of that nighttime setting because honestly, that probably would have looked the roughest during a daytime scene. And that's probably why they chose <laughs> nighttime. But it, nighttime also sets that mood perfectly with Jackson just standing there seeming way more confident than he should with a giant monkey coming towards him. Yeah, And yeah. it's just a, that whole sequence is pretty awesome. Absolutely. What about your, oh, that's a good shot award? You know, there's like five or six options to just in the opening moments of Skull Island that I absolutely loved. But there's one of, uh, there's an overhead shot of like five, six choppers, and it's got their blades go- going in slow motion. And it's just so synchronized looking mm-hmm. that it, I just really love that shot. And then I have to give a shout out. I have to. The mandatory shot of all the choppers approaching Kong while he's backlit by the sun. Yeah. And it's just the silhouettes of everything. It's just, it's awesome looking. I mean, look at you. Look at you choosing a sunset shot. Alex. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. No. Um, yeah. I've already mentioned this is a beautifully shot movie. Um, it really is. But my favorite shot is actually right before that standout effect moment that I mentioned. Um, and it's this long shot of Toby Kebbell's Jack Chapman's character mm, who ends yeah. up getting eaten by um, the skull crawler. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, we get him in the foreground and he's like starting to wash off in that river. And the camera starts to slightly tilt up and it just reveals this this river and this mountain, these mountains reflected off the water and a flock of birds quickly flies away foreshadowing Kong's near appearance. It's just beautifully shot again. Um, and it's also a meaningful way to, to show that sense of foreboding. Um, and then of course the next moment you start to see the water move and here comes Kong walking in the river Mm. and it's just great. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's good. It's good. (laughs) Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. All right. So I guess that brings us to rating and ranking. Eric, I am very eager to hear what you've got to say about it. Mm. All right. Well, I said from the opening moments, this film felt a bit different than some of the movies we've watched recently, at least. With its late 70s tracks, wide cast of characters, and a strong cast to support their varying personalities, 
Kong Skull Island gives just enough of those human elements to make us care about the monster action and screen. In fact, if this film falters, it is that when it gets away from Kong, this is my final critique of this film, it gets away from Kong a bit. When it does get away from Kong, we actually don't get as much human development. Now, that's pretty rare for a giant monster film. Um, usually, it's the other way around. But this is the best of the MonsterVerse because of its self-contained story, its beautiful visuals, and that purposeful action. Um, and because of the tart, dark tone of this film, another critique I had was that I felt the humor could be a bit jarring. This is darker than a Marvel movie, for example. But it seems to feel like this need to, to be like a Marvel movie in adding some of those moments of humor. But with that said, I really do like this movie. And I, I really like this Toho-inspired, uh, walking around like a god, Kong. Um, yeah. In Heart of Darkness, um, Joseph Conrad's narrator, Marlo, says, it was written, I should be loyal to the nightmare of my choice. Well, if I had a choice of a nightmare, Alex, this is certainly a good one to choose. Um, I'm going to give this a, mm, I'll, I'll give it a four out of five. Four out okay. of five. All right. Mm, pretty good. I, I was, I cannot tell you, Eric, how worried I was that this got overhyped for you. Because <laughs> I know you've been hearing that people like it for so long. Yeah. And I've mentioned how much I like it. Uh, and this is the first time I've seen it pro- since probably the year it came out. Nice. But, uh, you know, the, for me, this film is like a gold standard in pacing. The film feels like it has the same runtime as the original King Kong while still being like about 50 minutes longer. Um, the breakneck pace is just, you know, it's just mind blowing for me. I, I felt like it was an hour long while I'm watching it. Mm-hmm. And, and in all that time, while we may not get a lot of development with our characters, we are able to be made to care about them in an effective way, which I is just, it really goes, the credit goes to the writing and the actors for being able to do that. Which, again, is like why I think there's so many possibilities for Coolest Character. But it's not just that. It's the music and the way Kong is... The way they execute Kong in concert with that music mm-hmm. is just something worthy of all. And like just that pulse-pounding adrenaline feeling when those action scenes are really going. Plus, the monster designs are top-notch. I love the skull crawlers, And I think John C. Riley is a blast. I mean... I don't really have a lot of complaints about this film. Anything I do have would really be nitpicking. Mm-hmm. It feels like Skull Island and Kong's history are fleshed out with just minutes really devoted to it. I think this is awesome, <laughs> obviously. And for me, I think I'm going to put it my number one. I'm going to give it a five out of five. Wow. Five out yeah. of nice, Alex. Yeah. I like it. I like yeah. it. I, I, I liked this so much that I wanted to go back and watch it immediately. Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a movie I I can see how watching it on the big screen would be even cooler. Uh, and it makes me want to see Godzilla versus Kong on a big screen. When, when I first moved down here, they offered a free screening for this movie. And I really? got to go see it two weeks before it came out. That's awesome. And it was an awesome experience. Yeah. <laughs> that is really cool. <laughs> really, really cool. Um, 
Well, did you come up with a rhyme for next week, Alex? We are doing next week. We're wrapping up our King Kong uh, franchise movies, mm. and we're calling it the King Kong franchise punch out. Uh, so we'll do our, of course, our ranking of all the films, our wrap of all the films, our favorite characters, our awards for mm. all of these films as a whole. Uh, did you come up with a rhyme for next week, Alex, or I, are you scrambling? I'm scrambling, but I think I feel like I got one, so I got to spit it out before I lose it. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, next week we've got the punch out. Do we think the Kong series was a knockout, or was it something more akin to a blowout? <laughs> Alex, <laughs> I feel like you've used the blowout rhyme. <laughs> well, we used, to, we used to do the blowout for Godzilla. I think that's, that's probably right. why. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we're just used to blowouts over here. It's all good. Uh <laughs> Mine is, when we finish talking uh, Kong with next week's punch out, will it be a bloody bout with pouts and shouts? Or will I just be right about everything? (laughs) Probably the latter. Oh, I already know what's going to be number one. (laughs) Boo. Just kidding. It's it's the mighty Kong. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I am looking forward to, ha- to hashing that out next week, Alex. Yeah. Uh, as always, though, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod, uh, on Letterboxd at Al Cornette and Eric Mealy. On, on, did I say Twitter? Yeah. Nah. You're on Twitter, too. I wanted to give you a, a shout out on your Twitter. Your Twitter is what, Alex? At Al Cornette. My at- account is currently locked, but just send me an invite and I'll accept it. Yeah. You're pretty accepting. That's what yeah. we've always said. Hey, by I love way, before, all people. I, before I close this, uh, <laughs> if anyone's interested, after our King Kong series, uh, we are going to do uh, we're going to do a film that has been chosen by our patrons that is related to kind of the Kong franchise. Um, but uh, we're going to choose one of those films. We'll announce it next week. What the winner of that was? Um, that's coming next week, and then or after the punch out. And then after that, we are going to be revving up for Godzilla versus Kong. We've got a couple specials planned uh, to help us prepare because it is getting close, Alex. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> but now oh, I'll close this wait. out for real. I'll close this out for real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on Twitter and Instagram, we're at MVM underscore pod. And Alex is at Al Cornette, right? Yep. <laughs> on Letterboxd for Alex Cornette and Eric Neely. You can email us mvmpod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at mvmpod.com. Support us at Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. And if you feel so led, do leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews really help and they they inspire us. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try to stay alive. Gorilla chest bump.